Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast. It's uh, my first interview for 2020. So, uh, yeah, good to be back. And um, I've got a guest with me who's going to be talking about NFTs, which is non-fungible tokens, which is an area I'm very interested to learn more about. I heard about it quite oh, about a year or so ago, I believe now. I've got Zach Burks, who's the founder of Mindtable app with me today, fresh from Singapore, mate. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. No worries. Well, look, let's dive in, first of all, a bit of your background, because I know that this isn't the first thing that you've been involved in in the crypto space. When did you get in? And um, sort of, if you could sort of take us through a bit of a walkthrough as to what it is um, that brought you to this point. Yeah, so... And sorry, I've correction been a- on the name. It's, it's, it's Mintable. I've read that wrong. I've put an E in there. Mintable <laughs> app. <laughs> yeah, Mintable, like you get a mint stuff. Um, so about, about my background, I've been in crypto since 2012. Uh, I got into Bitcoin at about five bucks. Uh, it was, it was quite a while ago, actually uh, thinking back on it. I can't believe how wow. long it's been. Um, and then I got, I got into software development and started working, uh, as a smart contract developer on Ethereum back in late 2015, 2016. Um, and make a long story short, basically did that for a bit, and I saw uh, this uh, ERC-721 standard come out. Uh, and this came out long after uh, the first NFT hit the scene. And the first NFT was this thing called a CryptoPunk. And I remember seeing these CryptoPunks and thinking about like, oh, that's cool. It's like a, uh, it's a little avatar. And there were limited edition. There was about like, I think, 500 or there was some small amount. And you can go through, pick whichever one you wanted, and then claim them. And I was about a week short, and uh, like I, I found it a week after it came out. So there were none left that I liked that I wanted to claim. So I never got a CryptoPunk, but that was the first example of a non-fungible token on the blockchain. And when I found that, it piqued my interest a little bit. Still fairly new. We didn't call them non-fungible tokens at that point. It was, um, you know, just kind of like this art avatar project. Uh, then this game came out called CryptoKitties. And I'm sure a lot of people are familiar when it comes yeah. to NFTs and CryptoKitties. And um, funny, funny enough story, I was uh, actually the first person to make money on CryptoKitties because at the hackathon that they wore, uh, that they came out of, that the idea was kind of like birthed out of, um, they were live streaming and I was watching it in California. And uh, they said, hey, you know, you can play the game, go to like beta.cryptokitties.com or whatever. And, um, so I'm sitting at home and I'm thinking, wow, a game on Ethereum, we've never seen this before. I want to play. So I went and I started playing the game and there was only like 20 other people because, you know, it's, it was at a hackathon. Everyone's busy hacking and working on their own project. And I was just sitting there at home spamming the game, <laughs> spamming over and over until I won. And I won two of the prizes. And uh, Benny, the founder, <clears throat> I was trying to claim my, my ETH as a surprise. And he was like, oh, man, I'm so happy you won. Uh, where are you at in the hackathon? Come on down to the booth by the balloons and, and we'll chat and I'll shake your hand. And, and I, I kind of told him, I was like, well, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in California right now. And uh, <laughs> he, he wasn't too excited about that because, you know, this was in Canada is where their hackathon was. And that was how NFTs kind of hit the scene. And that's how I really got up close and personal with NFTs. And from that point forward, uh, all my focus was on NFTs uh, from development to research to the ecosystem. Uh, I have a paper published with the IEEE on using smart contracts, blockchain, NFTs, and IoT devices uh, within a supply chain for food traceability in California. 
Uh, and so since CryptoKitties, I've really been focused on NFTs and we came up with the idea for Mintable because I saw that there was a lot of problems with NFTs, uh, mainly like, you know, managing those NFTs. For example, you know, if you go to your wallet with your ERC20 tokens, it's very simple for you to transfer them, right? It's, it's made for that. But um, the wallets, you know, at the time weren't made for NFTs. There was only like one wallet that had collectibles on there. Um, so we made a manager which lets any wallet interact with their NFTs and uh, works on most of the NFTs out there as long as they're not like too custom, um, just like, you know, ERC20 wallets do. And uh, that was the start of, of something great. And that's so, a little bit of my background. So you've been around. I mean, that's that's remarkable buying Bitcoin back at five dollars. I mean, uh, well done. I hope you bought a bunch, and I hope you held it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, unfortunately, of course, you know, back when it was five dollars, no one held it. We were, you know, I bought it to to spend it. Yeah. So I spent a lot of. I spent about uh, about one hundred and fifty Bitcoin uh, buying things uh, that I probably shouldn't have. And looking back on that now, thinking you know, that's somewhere around three fourths of a million dollars, about $750,000. Uh, and I just slapped my head thinking, wow, I can't believe I've spent that much money on, you know, the stupid things I bought. Uh, but I, I, I kept a bit and it's, uh, it's been good. I've been able to, uh, you know, live and work on my own projects. I, you know, haven't had a job for quite a few years now. And um, so it's been nice. Wow. Well done. So let's jump back into that uh, NFT world because Look, I'm, I'm hearing a lot more about it at the moment uh, in media. I mean, I think there was the um, Travis and Joel from the Bad Crypto podcast that uh, were also talking about that recently and suggesting that it was going to be somewhat of a breakthrough um, and a real sort of rubber hitting the road for 2020 being non-fungible tokens. Now, it seems to be getting a lot of momentum from a lot of people that I respect. So can you tell me like, why so many people are talking about non-fungible tokens and and, and why it's going to be something that's used and something that um, that's going to benefit people and the space and who will benefit from it. I know it's sort of a triple barrel question, but you know, what is the true breakthrough here using uh, non-fungible tokens? What is it that we're looking at? Yeah. And you know, back crypto podcast is a great example. I was actually just on a call with Joel yesterday, um, talking with him about his NFTs and seeing uh, how we can help them out. And the thing is, is, this is why it's got the potential to be such a breakthrough uh, adoption building uh, kind of token or devices because the use cases for NFTs are so massive. It can go from something like uh, a ticket or proof of listening to your podcast. You know, for example, in this podcast, you can say, hey, go to this link and claim my NFT. And if you have, you know, 10 of those NFTs from 10 different podcasts, I'll give you, you know, a free, a free class or free lesson or access to my course. Uh, and then at 50 NFTs, maybe I'll give you free access to the, the conference that I'm speaking at or whatnot. And so that's just one example of how you can take something and it can be modified and changed to fit almost any use case from games to attendance to financial markets. Um, NFTs can be used to be able to take real estate. Um, we've seen real estate be used quite a bit with NFTs where, uh, you know, you take a house, it's represented in shares of the house or NFTs. Uh, because you got you to remember that the difference between an NFT and an ERC-20 is that in ERC-20, I can send you half. I can send you a quarter, right? I can send you 0.25 of, of any token. But with an ERC-721, an NFT, it's non-fungible, meaning well, one of the things means it can't be di divided, right? So if you think of a trading card like a Pokemon or a baseball card, I can't give you half of that card. 
I can't rip it in half and give you half of that, right? If you're thinking of a cat, I can't give you half of my cat. I can only give you my full cat, right? And this is... Well, you could give me half of your cat, but it wouldn't be very nice. <laughs> Absolutely, I guess. Yeah, and I wouldn't be a very good cat owner. <laughs> uh, so the thing is, is, is this gives us this new kind of functionality where you can take something um, like shares in a company and you can create, you know, uh, whether it be financial shares for an actual company or whether it's shares in real estate or whether you do something like, say, tokenizing your files. And this is what we're working on right now is to allow people to create a file and then have it represented on the blockchain. And the reason that we do this is because you create a cycle of continuous engagement for something that used to be like one time. And so if we go back to the example of your podcast, by giving an NFT and saying, if you collect 10 of these, uh, we'll give you, you know, a coupon or we'll give you a discount or we'll give you a free something. Uh, this is incentivizing engagement where normally it's very hard to get engagement for listeners of a podcast or for say selling some fonts or graphic design work. Um, normally people buy it, listen to it, purchase it, and they never go back. They never interact with the seller, the podcaster, anything. Uh, but by having NFTs, you get that engagement. And this increases the, the seller or the podcast person's uh, customer engagement rate. And this also increases their, their revenue and increases their profits. Um, and that's just one example. It's, it's literally endless of the use cases for NFTs. Um, I think one of the most interesting would be, you know, something like identity or food traceability, right? So an NFT could also be a passport. Now, I don't know if you should necessarily put your passport on the blockchain because, you know, it's public and everyone would be able to see your passport. But if there was a way to include privacy into this NFT, uh, then it could be used from like a government agency to issue some sort of identity documentation. Or it could be used to issue, um, you know, your permit saying that you are able to do something or the deed to your house or your driver's license. And all of these use cases are really vast. And that's why Bad Crypto, Joel and Travis, they think that 2020 is going to be the year of uh, the NFT. And, you know, we, that, that's, that's not necessarily um, new, right? 2019 was also supposed to be the year of NFTs. Um, and that's something that Mintable is working on, is we're, we're trying to find these problems that we see and why NFTs haven't gained the mass adoption yet. And we're trying to address these problems, right? One of the things is it's kind of complicated. People think non-fungible and like, I've never, I never heard that word until mm. I, you know, I, until I found the non-fungible token. And then I had to learn about fungibility and, and what that is. And I was like, Oh, a dollar, it's fungible. Uh, you know, a, a, a beer bottle that's not fungible. Um, and so that's, you know, some part of it, but the other part of it is the complications of if, if you're trying to do a video game item, and you're targeting video game players, these people, they don't, they don't have crypto wallets. They don't want to learn about blockchain. They don't want to know about immutability and how transaction works. They just, they just want their skin. They just want their gun. You know, they just want whatever video game item they're buying. And so these are some of the problems that we're addressing. Uh, you know, for example, when our, when our marketplace comes out, everything will be able to be done with a credit card. If you've never had Bitcoin or Ethereum and you don't have a wallet, it won't matter. You'll be able to use your credit card and you'll still retain the ownership 
and the assets and it'll all be handled via smart contracts so that paying with your credit card still gives you the the ownership rights and you still have that immutability and all the benefits of the blockchain uh but with the ease of use of just putting in your credit card like everyone's used to so what's what's the difference between i mean it's i think a lot of people do get caught up and maybe gloss over on the word itself fungible um is it a type of like a system of barter or is it a system of providing providing liquidity where liquidity once didn't exist or is it a bit of both? Yeah, I think it's definitely a bit of both. And the way that I like to explain uh, non-fungibility and fungibility is uh, really simple, right? So think of you and your buddy and you both have $1, right? And you take that dollar and you swap them back and forth. Like you literally hand them to your friend, your friend hands you his, and you do that a million times. At the end of those million swaps, is there any difference? Do either of you lose? No, you still have $1. Maybe your dollar has a different serial number, but it's still $1, and you can take that $1 and go buy a pack of gum or something, right? But, and those, that's fungibility. Their dollars are fungible. That's their whole purpose is they're able, they have a, a fixed market value, and they're able to be exchanged for goods or services. Non-fungible is different. Non-fungible would be the case where I have a marriage certificate and you have a uh, baseball card and we swap. One of us is going to lose and it's not going to be me because I got a cool baseball card. Now you're married, right? And so that's the difference between fungibility and non-fungibility is you have these items that don't have any fixed value. I can't go to the grocery store and hand them a baseball card and say, I would like to check out with this baseball card. Its estimated value is $500 right? No one's going to accept that. You can't go to a grocery store and say, Hey, I've got three cans of beer. Can I trade that for a bottle of milk? Because these are non-fungible items. That's why we use, you know, currency because currency is fungible. Um, And a good kind of rule of thumb is if you can divide something into fractions and get something from that, then it's probably fungible. Meaning a dollar, you can take half a dollar and that's 50 cents. You can take 10 cents of a dollar and, you know, it's 10 cents. Um, but like I said, you can't rip up a baseball card and you can't, uh, you know, trade half of a beer bottle to get, you know, some item. And that's because they're non-fungible. Uh, and then the other thing is the liquidity. The problem that a lot of people also don't realize is when you have non-fungible items, it's one item. Whereas an order book for traders is used to having, uh, you know, fungible items where the, the order has a spread, you have a whole upper end and a lower end of potential, you know, low ball orders and, you know, sell points at the higher end. But with a non-fungible item, there's not multiples that can be sold. So you essentially have one person auctioning off a baseball card and you have bids, right, in an auction system. And so when you think about it that way, the liquidity is a little different. It's not the liquidity that we're used to when we think of trading on crypto or stocks, but instead it's the desire to purchase this item. It's kind of like eBay. If you post some used shoes for sale on eBay and no one bids for it, there's no liquidity there. You, you've given the item, but no one cares about it. Now, if you have something super rare and you have a million bids, you have more liquidity, you have more range of flexibility to say, you know what, I think I'll take this higher offer or I'll take this lower offer because it's from someone I know. Um, and that's how liquidity works uh, for the markets of NFTs, which is different. And that causes a little bit of problems when people think about um, trying to invest or trade is they have to change their mindset uh, and not really 
think about liquidity, but think about the desire and the, uh, you know, how many people want this item? Is it something that I can sell? And then you go back to, you know, salesmen and you can have a story behind something. You can take something worthless, but as long as you have a really good story, people will want it. Uh, and that's kind of how NFTs work. And I mean, ultimately, it, it sounds like there's a lot of win-wins in this, but ultimately, who's, who or what market or, or, or what um, um, you know, sector of a market, who is going to benefit the most out of this? Like, who is this really going to help out in a big way? What types of businesses, individuals, you know, who is it going to help the best? Oh, that's, uh, that's a hard question because, you know, when you think of a, of a business, if a massive international business, Starbucks, Walmart, Amazon, if they were to use NFT technology, then of course it would benefit them uh, if they have like a, a unique way that they're implementing it where it provides actual you know, benefits over the alternative. Um, but to be honest, I really think the benefits coming from the consumer's end. And this is, this is kind of our selling point at Mintable. When our full product's out, which will be out in a few months, uh, we're, right now it's just kind of a beta proof of concept spin out since April of last year. Uh, and we just let you make NFTs. You go in, you can make them on your phone. You have a smart contract that's deployed to the blockchain. You have complete control over it. We don't, we don't own anything. Um, but when our full product comes out, we're a marketplace. And the whole selling point is that a consumer can take something from their computer, post it for sale, and then the next morning, wake up with crypto in their wallet, meaning it's one of the best ways to earn crypto without actually having to invest or trade. Um, and this is where the benefit comes in, because you can take someone who, say, like a soccer mom, and they've heard about Bitcoin. Maybe they're technically savvy, and they've heard about Bitcoin, and they've heard about Ethereum. But, you know, they, they can't invest. They've got kids. They've got to buy groceries. They can't risk losing 90% of their value, you know, over the last few years. Um, so instead. They take the content that they produce and that they have on their computer and they use that to earn crypto. And then over, say, the year of doing that, they accumulate a, you know, X amount of crypto and they haven't actually invested anything. And so it's like a gig, right? Just like Uber, you're, you're, you're taking something and you're getting money without having to invest very much because you've already got your car. And they've just got to be happy and accepting crypto, right? Well, uh, yeah, hopefully, right? Because that's the whole point is if they're going to be, if they're selling their content, they're probably selling it uh, across multiple marketplaces and these current marketplaces give them fiat, you know? And so there's no restriction. It's not like an exchange where when you deposit your, your coin, it's locked into that exchange and you can't have multiple orders. With non-fungible tokens and content, you can sell your content on, you know, five different websites and it's the same exact file, right? And so we would just be targeting the people that are interested in earning that crypto instead of the, the fiat, which they have from all their other websites. And what, what can they convert that back to? I mean, is, is it converted into that particular token or can they then take that token and turn it into Ethereum and Bitcoin and whatever or what? Oh, well, no. And that's so, you know, that's what I was saying is that we have these problems with adoption. Um, yeah. And the problem is, is tokens, people making their own tokens. Yeah. Uh, us, us at Mintable, we, we will never have a token. We'll never do an ICO. We'll never have an ERC20 token. Um, people earn Ether. So Ethereum um, just directly deposited. There's like not even a withdrawal system. It's basically once that item is purchased, we have a DEX, a decentralized marketplace. 
Um, exchange is kind of a hard word for NFTs, so it's like a marketplace, uh, but it's decentralized. And as soon as your order is purchased, the buyer gets the goods and you get the, um, the amount that was paid, right? And it's just deposited directly into your wallet. So you'll, you'll post your orders. Maybe you'll spend a whole day making a hundred to a thousand different like orders. And then six months later, you know, you wake up to a surprise in your wallet of just having all this ether in there and you've done nothing. So it's essentially passive income. Yeah, right. Well, it's very interesting, especially from a content creating perspective. And for those that are marketing online, um, it sounds very, very interesting indeed. And I mean, how are you building your business out? Like, I mean, who are you reaching out to and how are you actually going about doing it? Because obviously for this to be a business for you, of course, you know, as you say, this is kind of what you're working on at the moment after being in crypto and not having a job per se for a number of years. What's the plan um, for uh, Mintable App? Yeah, we've been we've been working on Mintable for a little bit over a year now, um, and I, I made it. You know, as a developer, I was just making a tool, and then it dawned on me that this was kind of a good business idea because it hits a demographic, it hits a use case, and it helps with adoption. Um, took us a little bit to kind of realize the 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 business path of which road we want to go down, and uh, once we realized that doing it the way that we're building now is probably the best and most profitable, uh, that's what we settled on, and. What we're doing is we're essentially, you know, building something that you're used to, Amazon, eBay, Etsy, um, but for your content. So that's that's also something you're used to, you know, like Theme Forest or Adobe Stock Photos. These are all examples of very similar marketplaces. Yep. The only difference is we utilize blockchain. We provide all these benefits of blockchain. And, um, you know, by doing that, we unlock that cycle of continuous engagement where if you are selling... For example, you can, you know, you can sell your podcast and it would be tokenized as well. And so you can show proof that I have purchased this podcast. I am a listener to this podcast. And then I can take that token and I can go to your website and I can redeem that for a course. So now not only did I purchase your podcast, but I got a 10%, 20% or 100% discount on your courses because I did so. Maybe you're a musician, you're an indie artist, you put up your, your new single you maybe you sell it for $49, 50 bucks and it's expensive for an MP3. You would think, why would I pay that? Well, it's because that single gives you by giving that NFT to that user, it gives them access to every concert for the next year, free entry. You just show the NFT in your wallet and you get free access, right? And that's taking something that used to have one purpose, which was a file. A file has only one purpose. You, you know, a JPEG is a photo, a MP3 is a song and that's it. But now that MP3 is also a concert ticket. It's also a coupon. It's also collectible, right? And so now you have multiple purposes for this file. We think that's kind of the killer use case here is yeah. that that is what people are going to look at and say, wow, okay, that makes sense, right? I don't need to wrap my head around this, like this, this game of cats, but instead, you know, I'm getting multiple, multiple different things out of something that, you know, was just a one-time purchase. And it, it makes perfect sense to be bringing more people into the space as well. You know, <clears throat> being able to do it in that way really opens people up to understanding the benefit uh, of joining in and being a part of this new revolution that we know as cryptocurrency and digital assets. So, mate, it sounds fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in, um, in going through it in a lot more detail. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you, um, aside from um, Mintable, we'll, we'll get all the details where we can find information about that uh, for the listeners in just a moment. But um, I mean, from your point of view, you were one of the early people into Ethereum. There's been last end of last year, which is 2019. 
I was starting to see a bit of negativity creeping in about Ethereum. And I think it's just, you know, when people don't see their investments going up in value, they, they just tend to, you know, have a bit of a whinge about things. I mean, what's your thoughts on Ethereum moving forward through 2020? Is it, is it, is it lagging? Are other, you know, are others going to be overtaking it? I mean, what are your thoughts on the greater Ethereum, um, I suppose, uh, world, really? Oh, I'm excited. I'm super excited. We're going to have the, the first kind of, uh, you know, proof of concept of staking be coming out with, uh, uh, you know, the beacon chain. And this is going to be a big, uh, a big point for Ethereum, essentially, right? We're, we're, we're probably going to see a lot of FUD because what's going to happen is right now people don't really understand how it works. Once it comes out, there's going to be a, a rush of understanding. People are going to understand it. And uh, they're going to realize, like, wait a second, uh, there's no smart contracts. I can't get my money back. It's a one-way transfer. Uh, and that's going to probably cause some FUD. Uh, but here's the thing is, as a developer, if I wanted to build on any of the alternatives for smart contract platforms and blockchains, you just really can't. There's just limited uh, documentation. There's limited tools. Uh, you can't Google a problem if you have a problem, whereas Ethereum is the largest, it's got the most developers, it's got the largest community, it's got the largest tools that can be used. Um, so, well, people are, you know, talking FUD on whether or not they think that it's going to, you know, moon or not. That's, that's, that's kind of irrelevant because it's a platform. Um, and so if you, you know, I, I, the way I look at it kind of um, as an example is that if you look at Facebook, the shares and the stock price for Facebook uh, doesn't really reflect itself as a platform, right? The shares may drop because Mark Zuckerberg says, uh, you know, that something dumb or he has to go to Congress or whatnot. And that may make the price go lower, but it doesn't reflect the amount of users on Facebook. It doesn't reflect how many people are building new applications or the partnerships that Facebook has. And I think of that kind of similar to Ethereum, where the price of Ethereum doesn't reflect the applications, the building, the community, um, and whatnot, right? And so when you look at the price compared to its platform utility, um, there's a discrepancy there. And so, you know, I don't necessarily know that the price is going to be a thousand or if the price is going to be, you know, 50 bucks or if the price is going to be 5,000. Uh, but what I do know is that we'll continue to see more developers uh, because it's the easiest. You know, it's, um, I don't know if you were around on the internet uh, back when uh, you know, the early days when GeoCities was kind of like the easy go-to place to host a website. Um, but the reason that it, it kind of took off and had millions of websites was because it was the easiest and the friendliest way to make a website. And so any person who heard about the internet and said, oh, I want to make a blog or I want to make a website, they would find GeoCities because it was the easiest. And that's why it grew and grew and grew. And it's the same for Ethereum. Any person that hears about blockchain in 2019, 2020, and probably in 2021, they're going to see Ethereum first. They're going to build on Ethereum first. They're going to see guides for Ethereum first over any other blockchain. And so I am highly bullish on the, the price of Ethereum, and I'm highly bullish on the growth of the platform. Um, you know, it, I don't think competition or any of these other smart contract blockchains are really anywhere near uh, being a threat to Ethereum. Uh, you know, EOS, Tron, 
it's i mean i could talk for days on them but uh you know a lot of it is manipulated uh whether it be from bots because they don't have any transaction fees and there's no financial incentive not to run a bot that just spams transactions or their model of consensus is poorly made and relies on humans and so you know it limits what they can be used for uh and that's why defi is such a big thing is because defi is you know censorship resistant no matter what bank or government doesn't like DeFi, they can't really shut it down. Uh, there's nothing that they can do. They can't stop any one of their citizens or customers from getting a loan or using that DeFi platform. Um, whereas something like EOS um, could be censored because uh, there's you know 21 people that control everything. And, and all you have to do is pretty much go to one or two or three of those top large ones and you can shut it down essentially. But you can't yeah. do that with Ethereum. Well, mate, that's... Um... A couple of things coming off there. I really appreciate the insight into Ethereum as much as I do about, uh, you know, your business, uh, Mentable. Uh, Zach, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Zach is the founder of Mentable App. You can find more information at mentable.app. Now, anywhere else that we can find out more information about you and the project, Zach? Yeah, we're on Twitter at um, Twitter slash Mentable Official, I believe. Let me just double check that. It's been a while since I've said the whole thing. It's just saved in my... Uh, Mintable.app. There you go. Twitter slash Mintable.app. And um, we're on Medium with a ton of articles, and you can find us on Reddit as well. And, uh, yeah, check out the website right now. It's uh, currently the beta that's been out since April. But if you are interested in becoming a power seller, we have Mintable.app slash creators, and you can check that out, or Mintable.app slash sellers. Excellent. Well, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up. First interview of the year. Thank you very much for explaining a little bit more about this uh, non-fungible world to myself and the uh, the listeners and also giving your insights into uh, Ethereum. It is a, uh, a good thing to be looking at at the moment by the sound of things, uh, given multiple different angles. So thank you once again very much for your time, mate, and I'll speak to you again in the future. Appreciate it. Thank you, Craig. Ladies and gentlemen, have a fantastic day. Bye for now.